You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. In keeping with John chapter 6 and verse 66, I'm going to tell you, as it says in that passage, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? I've wrestled with this, and I am going to be guided, hopefully, uh, by the um, verse 15 of Ephesians 4 which says, speaking the truth in love. But this is a hard word. And just to skip all the way to what you're going to need to do at the end, you need to prepare your hearts to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Not a conversation with me. This accountability that I'm looking for from you is I'm going to trust that if you ask the Holy Spirit what you need to do differently, he's going to tell you. But be prepared for him to answer you. And also be prepared that you're not going to like what he says. Because he's going to show you you. And my prayer is that when he shows you you, just like Job, you'll repent in dust and ashes. We talked last week about won't he do it. And we know he will do it because he's done it. And he keeps doing it. Keeps on making a way. Amen. Always bringing me out. But it's all based upon what he's done. And as our sister Kelly prayed today, said, if he never does another thing for us, he's done enough. And so we always want to look out and say, won't he do it? But I'm telling you today, this morning, the Holy Spirit is asking you, will you do it? Different question and probably a different answer. What is he looking for you to do? When I ask that question, will you do it? I'll say it this way. And this is well worn and you know this. Those of you that have been under leadership and, and, and heard me preach and teach. This is a, this is a great passage of scripture and we're going to uh, look at it and I, I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to Actually, I'll say spoil it because at some point I know I'll preach out of the book of Ephesians, the, the whole book. But I just want to emphasize some things to you. And 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 the Lord is really is, is really, again, speaking the truth in love. But 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 I want you to at least appreciate the setting that we're talking about. Chapters one through three of Ephesians uh, are all about the, the position of the believer. Amen. And then ch- chapters four through six are about the practices of the believer. Amen. There's a, there's a very clear pivot that happens right there in chapter uh, four and verse one. It, it goes from talking about the calling of the believer. Amen. To starting to talk about the conduct of the believer from the privileges of the believer and pivots to the what? The responsibilities of the believer. That's why the apostle Paul says, I therefore beseech you come on now he says i be, i beseech you i'm literally begging you as a prisoner of the lord he's saying let, let me tell you what my status is as a prisoner of the lord i beseech you that you walk worthy this is the king james of the vocation wherewith ye are called he says 
I want you to walk worthy. And so what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is will you do it? Will you do what? Will you begin to walk worthy of the vocation to which you are called? Amen. We, we, we talked all about all that God has done for us and we talked about Ephesians chapter two and we talked about everything that he's done in terms of that message of uh, reconciliation and that message of regeneration. All of that is, is, is great. But the apostle Paul is saying, now you got to do something with that believer. And literally that word in the Greek, when it says to walk worthy, it's a word in the Greek that literally means balance the scales. Y'all not with me this morning. Don't be quiet because I am coming to your street. I am. But but I got to come to your street. The word of God is coming to your street. So don't be scared. Be prepared. Amen. I'm coming because the word of God is coming. It literally says to walk worthy means to balance the scales. It means bring up the other end of the beam. It's equivalence. And what, what do you need to bring up? He says, look, all that God has done. All of the privileges, the, the calling that you have, all of the all of the the things that God has done, the position that you have, and the Apostle Paul says, I've, I've 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 spent a lot of time telling you everything that you have in Christ. Now I need you to do something with it. Walk worthy. Start to balance the scales because all that God has done, you can never truly bring them completely in balance. But He says, Listen, I need you to try. You got to start to walk. Worthy. They should, there should be a balance between the privileges and the responsibilities. There should be a balance between the calling and, and the conduct. There should be a balance between the position and the practice. And so he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he talks about their four graces that he gives or that he mentions, excuse me, that that will really help us to be able to accomplish the task. He said, I need you to walk worthy, and this is how you'll do it. He said, be completely what? Humble. Humility is the is that first grace. I need you to be gentle. I need to see some patience from you, and I need you to be bearing with one another. I need some forbearance. So humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance, that's how we'll get this done, that we'll be able to walk worthy. And the last one, he says, I need you to bear with one another in love. Here it is again. Here it is again. We're talking about love. We're in a series where we're talking about learning to love. And you could say to yourself, peace out. You're starting to sound like a broken record. And to that, I would say amen. Because I'm preaching the book. And praise God that the Apostle Paul is a broken record in Ephesians and in Colossians and in Romans and in Second Corinthians and in and in, and in in all of his books. He he says there's this really close association. I need to keep reminding you about the proper motivation you need to have, which is which is love. Love is the is the highest motivation, and we're going to get to it in a in a second again. But he says I I, I need you to I need you all to do this. I need you to have some humility. I need you to have gentleness and 
and patience and forbearance. We talked about that from Philippians chapter 2 when he said to the Philippians, he says, make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and person, uh, purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each one should look not to their own interest, but to the interest of others. Uh, let this mind be in you that was also in who? Christ Jesus. And then he put a very fine point on it in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. He mentioned six there, but he he covers these. For he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so the graces that he mentions in Ephesians chapter 4, humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance, they're really a reflection of the love, the love that is uh, is talked about here in Colossians chapter 3 and is embodied in the personhood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, again, it must be pretty important if he keeps talking about it over and over and over. And probably the reason you talk about things over and over and over is because you want to make sure that the person you're talking to gets it. And so he says, listen, we're talking about walking worthy and we're talking about walking in what in unity we're talking about walking in unity it is interesting that in ephesians chapter 2 when we were just dealing with that last week we talked about won't he do it the apostle paul was talking about oneness there he said in ephesians 2 and 14 he said i will make of two one so he was talking about in verse, excuse me, in, in verse, uh, I'll do it in the King James, sorry. In verse 14, he is our peace who hath made both one. He said there's one part. There were two parts. Now there's what? There's one part. In verse 15, he says there's now one man. In verse 16, he says there's one body. In verse 18 of chapter 2, he says there's one spirit. He says in verse 20, there's one foundation. In verse 21, there's one temple. In verse 22, there's one habitation. One, 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 one. Amen? He says, listen, I need you to, to, to I want to talk about the oneness that has been provided in Jesus Christ. There's one part There's one body, there's one man, there's one spirit, one foundation, one temple, and one habitation. And he says, now you know that. You have access to that. He's already done all of the heavy lifting for you. Now I need you to do your part. I need you to start balancing the scales. And I need you to walk worthy of the vocation. And I love that word vocation because vocation means what? Work. Not to put too fine a point on it. Work. If Rihanna had a song, had a verse in the Bible, this would be her verse. 
It's all about that work, 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 work. Well, now she don't know that that's the work she should be talking about. I don't know what work she is talking about, but I know you all know that song. And I want to ruin that song for you. I want to ruin it for you. So that when you dancing around the house or you hear it and you hear her say, it's all about that work. Or, yeah, Ephesians 4 and 1. It's all about that work. Walk worthy of the vocation to which you're called. And the Apostle Paul would say, yep, I got you. It's all about that work. It's the position. It's the responsibilities. It's the calling. It's the conduct. He says, I need it. I need you to understand it's about that work. And he says, so make, mm, look at verse three. Look at verse three. Oh, look at verse three. The apostle Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. What that says to you is he's, he's, he said that in verse in chapter 2 that he is our peace who hath made both one talking about Jesus Christ he is the peace and he broke in, he broke down that middle wall of partition so he's already provided the unity in the faith amen he did it through his body and his sacrifice at the cross of calvary that unity of the the spirit that's in verse 3 is a gift that has been granted Amen. A gift that we have that has been granted by the, by, by what Christ did at the cross of Calvary. He already did the work. Amen. He says, listen, but he's letting us know in verse three, you gotta make some effort to keep the unity I established. It is not going to be easy as we talked about. He says, I have reconciled you both in the one body by the cross and slain the enmity. I've slain the enmity thereby and, and, and I've reconciled both into one body by the cross having slain that enmity amen he says i've reconciled black and white i have i've done it i've already done it won't he do it he did it now what you gonna do not what are you going to do what you gonna do you gotta make every effort to do what to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He says, I've already woven it together. I've always already bound you all over together, but I need you to act like it. And that's going to require some real effort. You are not, you and I are not swimming downstream in this thing. We're swimming upstream. And what are we swimming upstream against? Ourselves. If you could get out of the way of yourself, and get away from yourself, you would be just fine. But the problem is everywhere we go, we bring ourselves with us. And we bring that self-determination instead of that self-denial. And he says you're making it more difficult when you to keep that effort if you don't operate being completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. He says that motivation of love has to be there. And he says, let me tell you once again, let me rewind it for you in a different way. He says one body, one spirit, one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Right there, you put in parentheses, come on somebody. That's what he's, if you look in the, the Negro international version, it's in there. It says, come on somebody. He says there's one. 
He did seven again. One hope, one body, one, uh, one, uh, spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. So there's some excitement. He's saying, I need you to walk, uh, worthy, but I need you to walk in unity. Unity is really, really, really important. Amen. We have to be unified. We have to move as a unit. And then in verses seven through, uh, 12, I believe it is. He really talks about the, the gifts. They, there's something he says, I'm providing not just those four graces that I talked about that I'm telling you that really encompass love. He says, I'm going to give you some specific graces. Amen. Those graces I've given to the body, but I'm giving you something individually. Each one of you is given a grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And how he's talking uh, about the, the, he's talking about the gifts, but it's expressed through the, through the offices or through the roles that that you find in, in, in verse 11, it says it was he who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Every time, every time, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, those are the four main places that the Bible discusses the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And every place that they discuss the gifts, the Apostle Paul talk, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter make sure they talk about love too. You can't talk about giftedness without talking about love. Amen. When you talk about getting the work done in the body of Christ, you have to have a conversation about love. First Peter said it this way. Listen, it's important. He says, because love covers a multitude of sins. Love does. You know what love is? Love, beloved, is the lubrication for the machinery of the body. Without it, there will be a breakdown. Let me say that again. Love is the lubrication for the machinery of the body. Without it, there will be a breakdown. Many years ago, I, I, my lease was up on the car that I had and I decided to, to go get me a, a Jeep Wrangler. You know, drop top, the whole thing. It was, it was great. It was red. I loved it. What I didn't appreciate, though, is every car I'd had previous to that, maybe the, the two before that, had all kind of technology in it. Would tell you, tire pressure's low. It's time for that oil change. Time for that 15,000-mile service. The Jeep Wrangler I bought didn't tell you anything. Just old school. Didn't tell you anything. And because I had gotten to a place where I was so comfortable with these prompts, I didn't, I just drove it, just driving. I was on the phone with Pastor Craig one day, and he just mentioned that he was going to get an oil change. I said, oh, my gosh. I looked at my odometer, 23,500 miles or so. I had never changed the oil. And I remember saying to Pastor Craig, I said, oil? I said, oh my, I said, oh my Lord. He said, dude, you gotta change it. He said, at any moment, your, 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 your engine, your engine block could just lock up. You, you're at great, you're at great risk. Of course, I appreciated what he was saying, but it's kind of like, if you don't have all these prompts, if you don't get these reminders, at least for me, I, I didn't. Re but the oil is, is that's the lifeblood of a car. That machinery, the viscosity that it, it, it provides, that lubrication, it's the lifeblood of a vehicle. It lubricates and protects all of those 
uh, meticulous moving parts. And as we talk about the, the body being uh, one body but many parts, the, the, the thing that allows the body to be able to function and move and, and to work efficiently is it's got to be lubricated with love. If the lubrication of love is absence, you and I are looking in our particular body and in the body of Christ in general, you'd be looking at an engine breakdown at some point. Amen. Because along with lubrication, the oil also keeps your car engine. It, it keeps it clean. Amen. And so if you end up not changing the oil, it literally turns to sludge. Now I'm getting ready to come down your street. Because if we're not careful, we'll be looking at complete engine failure. Go long enough without an oil change, it could eventually cost you your car. That's not being overly dramatic, you all. COVID has exposed... The body of Christ. COVID has exposed the body of New Life Christian Fellowship. It's exposed. Because we've got... That's why I wanted to sing Psalms um, 42. That's why I wanted to to, to to sing as the deer. I, re- I really did because the sons of Korah. It's it's this it's this urgency because he clearly was in a place. They were in a place where they couldn't get to the house of God. And he says, these are the things I remember when I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God. He said, I am a leader in the house of God. Clearly, I can't get to the house of God. I'm, I'm away from it. But I did it with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. I see that there's not an, there's not an urgency. It appears for us to get back to a place where we were. Only you, when you ask the Holy Spirit, can determine if you're operating with any urgency to get back to this place. Get back to doing some work or even starting to do some work because you've never done any work. Now, I would like to say that that's between you and the Holy Spirit, but it's not because you're here. But there's so many people that now 
There's a new normal. And they like that new normal. That new normal means I roll out of bed and I go to work. All I got to worry about is putting on a clean shirt. I can sit there in shorts and flip-flops. I'm not trying to go back to work. I'm not trying to go back to church. There's so many people that are exposed. We have so many people that are not prioritizing the kingdom above everything else. Let me give you a personal example where I know what it feels like to be a non-participatory member in a group that you have pledged some allegiance to, that you're giving lip service to and not life service to. I'm a Kappa. I am a member of Chicago alumni. I've been to three meetings and, and I've been paying dues maybe three, four years now. They meet every month. I've been to three meetings. Never stayed to the end of a meeting. The reason that I got back active, I pledged just like Pastor Mark did back in the day. I pledged back in 85. Loved the fraternity. Served on the, the grand board of directors. Have a great history and love for, for, for the fraternity. But, but my motivation for getting back into um, fellowship had nothing to do with a love of Cap Alpha Psi. It had everything to do with I missed the opportunity to write Marcus Evans a, a recommendation. You have to be active to recommend, to write a letter of recommendation. He asked me to write a letter. I couldn't do it. So I told myself I'm not going to have that situation again where a young person or somebody I know who wants to be a Kappa, I, I won't be in that place. So I joined so that I could write Marquise a letter. And I wrote Kendall, I mean Kyle a letter, and Kobe, and I'm missing somebody. Who? Delvin. Right. <laughs> That's my motivation. They're all in. And I told, and I, and I stay active just in case there's some other young person that I know. And so I pay my dues, but I don't do anything else. I'm, I know with some conviction, not Holy Spirit conviction, but personal conviction, I'm hiding on purpose. I see all kinds of the meetings I've been, I know what I should be doing. I know what I need to be contributing. I know that, that it's not about what you can get. It's supposed to be about what you can give. But I have justified myself by saying they're lucky that I'm even giving them those dues. I'm not trying to feel anything else other than that. My motivation is not high enough to do any work. Because my motivation has been satisfied. Because I can write recommendations and I can hide and I can, and, 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 the, and, the, and because of my past position in, in the national organization, they know who I am. And when I saw the, the, the chapter president, we call him a poll mark. When I saw the poll mark coming, it's like, uh oh, he trying to, hey brother, I want to talk as a, yeah, yeah, we'll, let's do that. Yeah, let, let's connect. <laughs> no. See, that's how I'm playing Kappa right now, but that's how you've been playing God for a minute. Yeah. 
You feel good because you give some money, and that's important. Those of you that are even tithing, that's great. But you're not giving any of your time, your talent, or your service. You've decided that where we are right now, and COVID has given you a great opportunity to step back, and now we're waiting for you to re-engage. But see, the difference between Kappa and Kingdom is you're playing your Lord and Savior like that. The one who gave his life. The one who allowed you to be reconciled to him. The one who gave you regeneration and reconciliation and gave you the message to be an ambassador for the same who has loved you and expressed that love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for sin. And you're playing him like I'm playing Chicago alumni. You be lucky if you catch me. The reason I don't stay to the end of the three meetings that I went to is because at some point, then that means somebody might corner me. And ask me to do something and I'm not willing to do that because my motivation is not where it needs to be for that. But here's what I'm to your motivation is not where it needs to be. And it breaks down every time. If the motivation is not the highest motivation possible, which is the motivation of love, it will break down every time. Every time. And I'm telling you, the machinery of New Life Christian Fellowship, in specifically, and the machinery of the body of Christ has been breaking down because we don't actually move, operate, and 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 uh, and connect with one another in love. And we're exposed. And what I'm going to do is not judge. Your actions and activities over the last couple of years. I'm asking you to do something very particular. Go ask the Holy Spirit what he thinks. My name is Paul. And that's just between y'all. My name is Bennett. And I ain't in it. Ask him. Here's the danger in asking the Holy Spirit what he thinks. He'll tell you. Okay. There's a lot of people that have deceived. Remember how that, that language that we talked about when, when we're talking about what's love got to do with it? When that, that teacher of the law came to Jesus and when he asked that additional question, he said, seeking to justify himself. He said, who is my neighbor? Unfortunately, the Lord answered him. It's the same guy who, who says when, when Jesus, he said, what, 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 what must I do next? He said, well... If you really want to follow me, sell all that you have and then follow me. And he said that that rich young ruler went away sad because he had what? Many possessions. You ask God that he'll tell you. Here's what I need you to do. Again, think about the times that we've talked about it in these last few weeks when they came to John the Baptist. And it was different groups. And they said, what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And he told them very specific things. I'm telling you, ask the Holy Spirit what you're doing and how you've been justifying yourself by not 
doing anything. I am relying on the fact in, 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 in Kappa that I've done so, I've done a whole lot in the past. It's the distant past too. I haven't done anything in 30 years and been in a fraternity 35. Probably haven't done anything in 30 years. But I can still talk about back in the day when I served on the Negro, please. But in that particular case, that's, that's not, that's not kingdom. That's not, that's not life or death. This is life or death. This is the savior of your soul telling you, I need you to balance the scales. I need you to step up and walk. And walking means working. Walking means loving. He says, I need you to do what it was three, three ways that, that you'll see in that passage. He says, you need to be enduring in love. Amen. You need to be enduring. Come on, somebody in love. Why? Because he said in verse two, he says, be completely humble and be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. So there's a, that, that phrase is there in love. How do you do it in love? So we need to be enduring in love. And then he goes and again, as I told you, I want to deal with the specifics of it, but he says, I'm giving you these other graces to get some stuff done. And it's like, I, I, not only have I made it possible by putting you together and reconciling you through this bond of peace, through the person of Jesus Christ, I'm also giving you the, the grace of the gifts to get the work done because he said to prepare, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be what? Built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mm, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You, you might remember in Ephesians chapter 3, there was a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed about love. And he said, I want you to love. I want you to, to know this love that surpasseth knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He says, I want you to know love so you can express, appreciate and, and know the fullness of God. And he says, I want you to continue to work, to be built up so that you can be mature, to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So again, you say, he said, till we reach what? So we all reach into the unity in the faith. There was in verse three, a what? A, a unity of the spirit. I told you that's a gift that was granted. Amen. That that unity was granted to us. In verse 13, there's a unity in the faith. That's not a gift that has been granted. That's a goal that must, that must be gained. That's aspirational. He says, I've given you the gift of unity in the spirit, but the unity that comes in the faith, that's not a gift. That's a goal. And I need you to get there. I need you to get there with every resource that you have, with the position that I've given you, with all of the privileges that you have, with the calling that I've given you. And I haven't given you a calling that I haven't provided where I've got it. I haven't protected where I've directed. That's how I get down. I have given you everything you need, including my very Holy Spirit, so you can get this done. That's why I can command you and urge you and implore you. Get it done. That's why I can say, make every effort. I know it's going to be difficult, but I've given you the tools and the resources to be able to do it. And I can't, you can't keep looking back at me and saying, won't he do it? I've already done it. I'm looking for you to do it. What you going to do? If you, Brother Rupert and I had the uh, privilege to, to just hang out yesterday and we were watching the, 
watching the uh, Bears game. And um, on every play, before every play, unless they're running a no-huddle huddle offense, there's a huddle that happens. They all gather up. They have a conversation. Could you imagine what the game would be like if all it was was huddles? All they do, every every play, they huddle, they let the clock expire. Then they get back in a huddle, and they let the clock expire. The point of the huddle is to get direction, get on the same page, to be able to hear from the coaching staff. And now, once you break the huddle, it's time to run a play. The problem in church is we spending a lot of time huddling, but we're not running any plays. We're not doing any work. We're not out in the community. We're not doing any ministry. We're not, we're not doing anything. We're running a whole game where we get together in the huddle and then when we say break, then we leave and get in our cars and go home. Who's running a play? Are we going to run any plays? And you know when you have to run a play, think about it, you you, you got to be able to execute the play, but you also know that there's an enemy that's on the other side of the line that's trying to stop the play you're running. You understand for that, but you game plan for that. You have the resources, hopefully, to be able to combat that. But all we seem to do now is huddle. It's time to start running some plays. Work, work. Work, work, work. And you will be unwilling to do work if you're not highly motivated by the love you have for God and the love you have for others. I don't know what else to tell you when we look at the results. All I can do is ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, am I off here? Pretty sure he's going to have some words for you. Now, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit will not say, because I, 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 I've been around this game long enough to know where this is headed. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit will not say. He's not going to tell you to step off. You got a leadership position. He's not going to say, you know what? Them Negroes over there are crazy. They preaching the Bible. They asking you to do. They asking you to do work. They even citing references in Ephesians four and one and talking about the work and balancing the scales. And it's like, yeah, so you need you need to step off. You you gotta you got other stuff to do. The likelihood that if you ask the Holy Spirit about that, He's not gonna tell you to step off. He's gonna tell you to step up. He's going to tell you to step up your work game, and he's going to tell you to step up your love game. That's likely. Ask him. I'm, 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 I'm just making suggestions. Let me tell you the second thing that the Holy Spirit is likely not to say. He's likely not to tell you to get out. See, when, when, when you're confronted sometimes with who you are, you have two choices. That you, you, can, you, can, you, you can run from it or you can e- embrace it. So many people, like I tell you what the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you. These people over there are crazy. They're trying to get you to be a contributing member of the body of Christ. So what you need to do is go to a different church where they don't know you, 
preferably much larger where you can hide when nobody requires anything of you and you don't have to change anything about what you're doing. So just get out. If that's your conclusion, you're talking to the wrong person because the likelihood is the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to get out. He's going to tell you to get in and get in where you fit in. That's probably, if I had to, if I had to, if I had to lay odds on it, that's probably the conversation. It's not going to be like, girl, you ain't got to put up with that. You need to get out. The only reason you should leave a church is instruction from the Lord for inappropriate behavior or incorrect doctrine. Those are really the only three. And instruction from the Lord better be instruction from the Lord. But God is never going to ask you to leave from the first church of Ephesus to go to the second church of Ephesus because you got your feelings hurt because you weren't doing anything and you're not about anything in this body so you can go be a non-contributing member in another body. That is not how God gets down. Matter of fact, we'll see exactly what Jesus himself said to, as we conclude, we'll see what Jesus himself says exactly to the the church at Ephesus in in Revelation chapter 2. When you think about the fact that in in, in Ephesians chapter 1, look at verses 15 and 16, where the apostle Paul says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. It sounds like in Ephesians 1, 15 and 16, the Ephesians have a tight love game. We'll connect that in a second. Let, let me tell you the the, uh, the third thing that the that the uh, Holy Spirit is is um, likely to not not likely to say he he he's probably going to be able to he's not going to tell you just just go again go 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 just keep blending in keep blending in keep justifying yourself keep coming up with excuses and reasons why you can't do what God wants you to do keep deprioritizing the kingdom keep deprioritizing the kingdom you and i both know there are certain things like you may have a work schedule a commitment or something else that can keep you away from certain events or even from sunday morning service and that's that is actually in in the busyness of life and that's understandable but you and i both know when you get an opportunity when something when something gets canceled, something gets moved, and you have that window, are you rushing to the house of the Lord like it talked about in Psalms 42? Or are you saying, everybody knows that that's my work schedule, and so I'll take this opportunity to selfishly sit here and do nothing instead of engaging with God's people. You know if you're doing that or not. I don't. But you do. And you know who else knows? This ain't Kappa. This is the kingdom. And that's how you want to play? The king of the kingdom? When you're sitting around knowing that you'll set up your whole week to go do something else and be out and about with a mask on, mixing, doing whatever you're going to do, and then talk about I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay home. I'm not going to come to church. He probably will tell you instead to stop blending with the world and start ascending in Christ. That's what he'll probably tell you. 
He'll probably tell you stop blending and start ascending. He'll probably remind you of Ephesians chapter 2 when we talk about separation, intervention, and elevation. And he'll say stop blending with the world. Stop trying to fit into the world. Stop prioritizing the world. Start prioritizing the kingdom because there has been intervention. Separation, intervention, the elevation. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. He said he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show forth the exceeding riches of his kindness in his in his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them so he'll probably tell you stop blending and start ascending And let me just tell you this. I want you to have that conversation with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm fairly confident he's going to give you some guidance and direction around what you are doing and what you are doing. You need an attitude adjustment. You probably need to step up your love game and just know that if you don't, the machinery at New Life Christian Fellowship will seize up. We do for oil change. <laughs> We're overdue. Three to five thousand miles. I'm telling you, I was sitting at like twenty three and a half thousand miles. By the grace of God, we're still able to have a car that functioned. By the grace of God, we're still able to have a church that functions. But it's not what we're supposed to be doing. Because we're not doing the work. And we're hiding. And we're allowing this COVID, inter- this, 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 this COVID situation to, to be able to help us to pivot into some other things. And I'm telling you, God is not pleased. And so Jesus in Revelations 2, as we close, told the, the, uh, the church at Ephesus, I know your deeds. In this case, he said, your hard work and your perseverance. I, I, I see you. I see you, Ephesus. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. Your love game, which was tight in Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. It's not tight anymore. And the machinery hadn't broken all the way down yet because he said, you're still working hard. You, you, you've got activity without intimacy. What I'm suggesting is we're at the point where we don't even have activity or intimacy. Oh, here's another thing the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you. Go find another group of believers and, and, and love them. So it's not working out. Over there. They, they don't have no love. Not true. Available, ready, willing. We broken over there. You need to find some new believers and love them. Mm-mm. Don't get out. Get in. Maybe what we need is you. To show us how to love. With humility and forbearance. Amen.
to be able to say that we're going to be enduring in love, like it says in verse 2 and in verse 15, to be able to speak the truth in love, which is talking about expression in love. And then in verse 16, he says, building up each other in love as each part does its work. So enduring in love and expressing in love and then endeavoring in love, excuse me, engaging in love. Those are the three kind of things that just as a summary point in Ephesians four that we're looking at, he says, I need you to, to be enduring in love. I need you to be expressing in love and I need you to be engaging in love. If we're not doing that, our machinery will break down. And the the key is, here's what Jesus told them. Three very simple things that I can tell you in addition to the Holy Spirit conversation you need to have. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Remember. Repent. Repeat. That's what Jesus told the church at Ephesus. Remember where you came from. Look back. Remember when you used to be excited about going into the house of the Lord? Remember when you used to do things and got together? And remember how sweet it was when we first came to the church and the things and the excitement when we moved and this, that, and the other? All of those things. Remember that. Repent that you haven't been doing. The reason you don't feel the way you used to feel is you don't do what you used to do. So he says, let's collectively repent and then let's repeat and go back and do what we used to do. But I'm not going to let you off the hook because the Holy Spirit is not letting me off the hook. Ask the Lord specifically, how have I been justifying myself? And get ready to repent. Because the machinery is not being lubricated like it should. And we got to do a better job because we're talking about the kingdom.